Um, what we are going to talk about today, uh, what the Gemara, the part of the Gemara that we're up to, is uh, a rather famous argument between Rav and Shmuel um, that has actual ramifications for our lives nowadays. Um, about and the, it's called Kiddush B'makom Suda or Ain Kiddush El B'makom Suda. Whether you can, whether when you make Kiddush, you need to be in your with a place where you're eating or not. Um, the Gemara is going to present a couple of different opinions, and we're really going to go through the Rashbams very carefully because the Rashbam makes um, some very significant comments, um, specifically within the opinion of Shmuel to understand what the basis is for his ruling, uh, where it came from, and some ramifications for our lives nowadays. We are on Kuf Amabet, <coughs> the third to last line. The last word on the line is Otam. Hi, how are you? Yeah. Um, okay, we're just starting now. Okay. We cook them like that. Yeah, Otam Banayadam, right there. Okay. Okay. So, and just so that we're going to, I'm going to go, be going through the Rashbams, and the Rashbams start on the left side towards the bottom. Um, the first Rashbam we're going to do is Shikichu Bebet HaKneset, which is just a little, you know, I don't know, this much up on the bottom. So just, at, we can have, you know, our fingers in both places. Okay, so Otam Banayadam Shikichu Bebet HaKneset. So those people, who heard Kiddush, made Kiddush in Shul, Amarav, Yedei Yayin, Lo Yatsu, Yedei Kiddush, Yatsu. So Rav says, in the case where something's happening, you're making Kiddush in Shul, and you hear Kiddush in Shul, you have not fulfilled your obligation of wine, but you fulfilled your obligation of Kiddush. So let's right away look in the Rashbam. Shikichu Bebeha Knesset. Everyone see where we are in the Rashbam? We're on Kuf on the bed in the Gemara. Um, so what Kiddush are we referring to? It's the Kiddush that in most Ashkenazi shuls outside of the land of Israel, we do, right after um, Shmon Esther, early, later than that, right after Chazar, the, you know, main that whole thing, after Shmon Esther, <laughs> after Amidah on Friday night, they make Kiddush, and so what happens is the Shaliyah Tzibur makes Kiddush that night, and so in that case, Rav holds Yedeyayim lo yatu. and you could look at the Rashbam on Yedeyayim lo yatu. we're going to skip, he goes, the Rashbam goes out of order here, or he probably had a different gear, so it was, so it was according to his order, but it's Yedeyayim lo yatu. does everyone see where that is? Right. She'im yesh lahem yayin b'veitam lishtot, chayavim levarech bar If you have more wine in your house that you want to drink, you have to make a bar of priyagefen. She'enem peturin bebirkat hakos shel shtiyat hayayin. She'eshatu bebeda knesset. Me'achar she'akru mimkoman. Because you are not exempt from the cup that you made, the cup of wine that you drank in shul, after you got up and switched your place. Meaning in shul, you presumably, the Rashbam is saying that you, even you drink some wine in shul, right? which you will see you don't have to have drink the wine in Shul um, in order to fulfill this obligation of Kiddush according to Rav. But even if you drank the wine in Shul and now you're in a new place, you would have to make a Borah Priyagefen again on another bottle of wine because you changed, you, because what is the language you used? She'akru mim komam. You uprooted yourself, literally, from your place. 
classic food that's known as Shinoi Makom, which we'll talk about a little bit today, and we're really going to talk about it next week, because that's the next second of Gemara, but it comes in, it's lumped together with this discussion as well. Because this is a hesachadad. A hesachadad is when you take your mind off something, so you have a lapse of concentration. And you need to make another bracha. But if you're going to make kiddush on your table, in your house on Shabbat, you wouldn't need to make another borbriyagef in the middle of the meal. Because the wine that you drank before the meal, meaning before you said hamotzi, that's when you fulfilled your obligation to say a borbriyagef on the wine beverages in that meal. Like we learned in the sixth parak of Brachot, if you made a bracha on wine before the food comes out, you have fulfilled your obligation to make a bracha on wine even after the food comes out, meaning during the meal. And the Gemara says this is specifically addressing our case where it's Shabbat or Yom Tov, excuse me, and you're making and you're establishing the meal. You are koveya suda. You're establishing the meal on the wine. Okay? So the response says, according to Rab, what have you fulfilled? You fulfilled your obligation to say Kiddush at the beginning of Shabbat. Right? We, last week, the last few weeks, we've been discussing the notion you say Kiddush at the beginning of the holiday, Shabbat, Pesach, whatever it is. So you fulfilled your obligation in Shul. However, if you're home and you want to drink some more wine, you need to make another bracha, barakia because that requires you to be in the, in, in order to not have to make a new bracha, you would have to be in the same place as the initial bracha. Okay? So you don't have to make Kiddush again at home, according to Rav's opinion. You definitely do not have to make Kiddush. Only if you would want to drink wine, that you would make. You would make a barakia You wouldn't be saying you Kiddush again. Kiddush. Correct. The, you know, the fact that we say a bar pregeffen on Kiddush nowadays is just, practically speaking, probably, this is not according to everyone, but practically speaking, it's just um, because you're going to drink wine. So it's the birkat hanan part of the whole Kiddush ceremony. But the, you know, essential parts of Kiddush are the agent that you're giving. You're giving testimony to the fact that that God created the world. And so on and so forth. And, you know, you're establishing this as a holy time, as a holy moment, and this is Kiddush, this is what's going on. Okay. Ushmuel Amar, continuing in the Gemara, Ushmuel Amar, Afiyadei Kiddush, Lo Yatsa. Even Kiddush, I think it's on the back, if you're using the Xeroxes, it's probably on the back of that first page. Afiyadei Kiddush, Lo Yatsa. You also did not, you didn't even fulfill your obligation of Kiddush. Meaning, if you said Kiddush in Shul, according to Shmuel, and now you're at home. You have to make Kiddush again, and you would also have to make a Borah again, if you wanted to drink. So the Rashbam, the first Rashbam on our page, Afiyadei Kiddush lo yatsu, Kiddip Parshinan Ta'ame like we're going, like the Gemara will explain in a, mo- in a moment, in Kiddush Elbamakum Suya. There's no Kiddush unless it's your place uh, of, your, of your meal. What's the source? Dichtiv, Vikarata le Shabbat Oneg. The Pasuk says you will call for Shabbat Oneg. This is this, and we're on the back of the page. You will call Shabbat Oneg. Bimakom Sha'ata Korela Shabbat. In the place where you are literally calling out to Shabbat, Klomar, meaning to say Kriya de Kiddish, the calling of Kiddish. Sham Tehe Oneg. There, 
uh, will be the onek. Umidrash, uh, and that's a medrash. So source number one. So the question that the Rashi is dealing with is, what is the source for Shmuel's ruling? Shmuel's ruling is Ain Kiddush Elba Makam Suda. If you make Kiddush in Shul, you have, you have to make it again at home because presumably at home is where you're going to have the meal. And therefore, you have to make Kiddush at the place where you're going to have your meal. What's the source for that? The source for that is the first source, according to the Rashbam, is a, is a Pasuk in the Navi in Yeshayahu that says, uh, that's a part of the Pasuk, it's a longer Pasuk, right? So that Pasuk serves as the source for Kavod and Oneg, two concepts within Shabbat. And Oneg specifically refers to the meal. And so that, the Karat al-Shabbat Oneg, what calling are you doing in the context of a meal? Kiddush. So therefore we connect the Kiddush to the meal. That's source number one, a Pasuk, and an inference from that Pasuk. Inami, or also, whenever you see the words Inami, we're about to offer another opinion. We're about to answer the question in a different way. Svarahi. It's not a Pasuk that we're learning from, it's rather just a logical, uh, it's logical. Mida ikva Kiddush al hayayin. Once Kiddush was established over wine, like we learn later, you're going to remember Shabbat over the wine. Seemingly, it's over the wine that comes at the time of the meal it was established. Meaning, it's not a, it's not a Pasuk that we're learning it from. Rather, Kiddush, once Kiddush was established over wine, right, which is, a, which is jump number one, but we're going to take it as a given for right now. Kiddush was established over wine. So once that went, and when do you have the wine? You have the wine in the context of a meal. Therefore, the Kiddush over wine has to be in the context of a meal. It's a, it's a logical progression, right? Wine, Kiddush is over wine. Wine is during the meal. Therefore, Kiddush is in the meal. Okay? Source number one, we have a Pasuk that says, Whenever you're, when are you doing the Kriya? You're doing the calling of Kiddush at the time of the meal. Versus the second opinion, which is any time you're having this Kiddush ceremony, it's in the context of a meal. Perhaps you could even say the, the meal generates the obligation for the Kiddush. Um, are we only talking about Friday night now? Or? We're only talking about Friday night now. Kiddush on Shabbat will get you in the Gemara. Kiddush on Shabbat day is a whole other um, discussion. It's probably Jirabanan uh, and all the, all the technicalities and, and uh, discussions surrounding there we'll discuss later. The, everybody else besides the Rashbam, not everybody else, almost everybody else picks one of these. Right? Most people come down on the side that the, the source for Kiddush, the main Kiddush of Makam Suda, you have to make Kiddush at the place of your meal, is the first one. We have a Pesach that says, Shabbat Onek, what is this calling out you're doing? It's the Kiddush. Most people say that. Tosfot, for example, we could just glance at it very quickly. The first Tosfot on our page, Av Yudei Kiddush Lo Yatsu, De'in Kiddush Elba Makam Suda, Mishum Dichtiv, Bekarat El Shabbat Onek, Lomar Makam Kriya Kiddush Shamtahi Onek. Basically, word for word, the Rashbam, in the place where you're calling out for Shabbat, there, there's going to be your own. There's going to be your own. But I think that it's very important 
to whenever you are whenever we have two possible Nakoro for something, it's important methodologically to understand the differences between the two Nakoro. So I didn't say so much when I was reading the Rashbam, I pretty much just translated it. But the Rashbam is presenting two different options of the relationship between the Kiddush that you're saying and the meal that you're eating. Right? Sorry, it's ringing. I don't wear watches, so I use my phone for, for a clock, and there's no clock in here. Um, so the Rashbam is suggesting two different options about what the relationship is between Kiddush and the meal. So, does anybody have any suggestions? We, let's think about it for a few minutes about what the differences could be. I could even phrase the question a little bit of a different way. What is affecting what? Right? Within each scenario, is the kiddish affecting the meal or is the meal affecting the kiddish? The first one, the kiddish Right, meaning the Kiddush establishes this meal as a Shabbat meal or a holiday meal. That you specifically, why do we say in Kiddush Elbamakum Suda, why would we want to hold on to this party line that you want to say Kiddush in the place of your meal? Because the Kiddush is what separates this meal from a Friday night meal to a Shabbat meal. Right? It's not just the regular night of the week. It's not like any other night. It's not just a Friday night. Friday night is Shabbat. And so therefore, by introducing the meal with Kiddush, we're establishing the fact that we're eating this meal in celebration, in commemoration, in acknowledgement of the fact that this is Shabbat, and now we're partaking in this meal. Excellent. And what would the second approach be? Right. So the, okay, so the, it's the opposite, meaning that the meal that's where you make kiddush. Right. From the fact that you are, the fact that you're having a meal generates the obligation to have kiddush. So in theory, and I didn't see anyone who says this, but in theory, if you weren't going to have a meal, if for some reason you couldn't eat, would you have an obligation to make kiddush? Probably, but for other reasons. Right? You would probably have an obligation to make kiddush because at the beginning of Shabbat you always have to say kiddush. Right? But you probably, you, uh, that's what I'll say about that. But in theory, the meal is what generates the obligation to say Kiddush, and so therefore, you say Kiddush in the place of your meal because that's why you're saying Kiddush to begin with. You don't say it in shul, you're not having a meal. Is your question? Can you repeat the second opinion? Sure. The second opinion, reading in the Rashbam one more time, and we'll talk about it, inami, or also, svara. It's just a logical progression, right? It's a svara. Do you see where I am on the Rashbam? Okay, so the first Rashbam on the page, on, on Kuf, Aleph, Ahmed Aleph, the first Rashbam, Af Yidei Kiddush Lo Yatu, right? And so it's, I'll start from the beginning, Kiddei Parshinan Ta'amei Lakame in Kiddush Elbamakam Suda. Like we explained, like we will explain later, in Kiddush Elbamakam Suda, Dichtiv V'Karat V'Shabbat Oneg, Yochal Shabbat Oneg, B'Makom Sh'Ata Korel Shabbat, in the place where you're calling out Shabbat, in other words, the calling out of Kiddush, Shamte Oneg, there is where you're going to have the Oneg, meaning the meal, Umedrashi, and it's an inference from that passage. Inami, or also, and this is the second opinion, Svari. It's not a pasuk, it's rather just logically, this is what you would think. Midi Ikva Kiddush Al Hayayin, once Kiddush was established over the wine, 
like we will learn later that you that you remember Shabbat via the wine. Mistama al hayayin shibashat suda hukba dechashiv. It's seemingly, it's implying that it's on the wine that comes at the time of the meal. That's what that's when that's the wine that it was established upon. It's not always wine. It's when when you're having a meal is when you're correct. Correct. So. If we wouldn't have connected Kiddush to wine, then this wouldn't make any sense. We would never have got this. But once the wine, once we say, oh, Kiddush is over the wine. So what wine were they referring to? They were referring to the wine of the meal. So when you say, you remember Shabbat by saying Kiddush over the wine, it must mean that at the time when you're eating, when you're drinking wine, namely at the meal, that's when the obligation of Kiddush, to say Kiddush is established, that's why we say it at that moment, right? So the second opinion, therefore, is saying the meal generates the obligation of Kiddush, probably, at least in this level. Okay, so theoretically, you come home at 10 o'clock, and you're not going to eat a meal. Well, no, at 9, so you come home at 5 o'clock, and it's dark out, and you're not going to eat till 9. So then you would make Kiddush at 9. You also can't eat or drink anything before you have wine, and before you make Kiddush. Um, since we pask in this way, yes. We pask in in Kiddush Elamakam Suda. So, there are two uh, nafgaminas, practical differences that I came up with, um, or more specifically, other people came up with that I was reading about, um, with regards to how we can test which one of these approaches to this ruling we, is really the most formative and the most essential. What do I mean? Whenever you have two different sources for something, you always want to find a case where you can isolate one factor independent of the other factor, and you'll see whatever we hold like in there, whatever we would hold like in that situation will tell us what's the really the guiding logic behind this rule. Right? What, it, what is really generating the ruling? Um, was that clear? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay, so the first one is Kiddush on Shabbos morning. Not Kiddush like Bar Pregefin, Kiddush like in Shul, the social event. Mm-hmm. Um, so most people and most Kiddushes, you're not washing and you're not having a full meal. What are you doing? You're walking up, you hear Kiddush, and you're tasting crackers and snacks, and maybe you're having crackers, maybe you're having cake, maybe you're having chillins, whatever you're having. And so a lot of people have discussed whether that's really halakhically acceptable. And the reason that it's even a discussion is because of, our, because, of our, because, of this whole, because of this whole topic. What do I mean by that? That if you hold the meal is what generates the obligation, the second opinion in the Rashbam, that when you're having a meal, that's when you say Kiddush, and not Kiddush establishes this as a meal. So if you're not having what would be considered a halachic meal, you're not having a halachic su'uda, then you can't make Kiddush because there's no obligation to make Kiddush, but you also can't even because you haven't made Kiddush yet. Right? Once you dive in the morning, your obligation to make Kiddush sets in. Um, so, what, so therefore, if you're going to allow people to eat it at a Kiddush, Kiddush social event, um, without washing and having a formal meal, then you would be holding like the first opinion, right? You would be holding that Kiddush, saying Kiddush, makes the whatever food experience you're partaking in a Shabbat food experience, right? 
Whereas if you would hold like the second opinion, then you would have to actually, probably at least, wash in the context of your kind of social <laughs> gathering to stop because that's what creates this as a real meal, as a real seudat shabbat. Okay, so that's approach number one. And it was this is a famous, famous argument between Rav Moshe and, and Rav Soloveitchik. Um, Rav Moshe explicitly, Rav Soloveitchik, I think implicitly, I didn't see it in writing, based on their approaches to this whole, so again, this whole topic, whether or not you're allowed to eat, at, whether, or not, whether or not you're really allowed to have kiddushes in shul, and what you would need to eat in that context. Some people say that mizonot is enough, some people say even vegetables is enough, some people say no, you really need to wash. So that's one discussion that comes up in this broader context, generally, because as you all know, we generally hold that it's fine, but just you should be aware that you should really make sure to at least eat a kezayit of mizonot. Right? You should eat a few crackers or a piece of cake or whatever it is, or drink a lot of grape juice or wine um, in order to really establish it as a halachic meal as opposed to just having a cucumber and walking around. Well, the Shabbos Kiddush doesn't have to be on wine either, does it? Um, okay, so hopefully we'll get to that this year. This is a very fascinating <laughs> discussion about Khamer Medina. Oh, the question is necessarily use wine for Shabbos. For Shabbos day, do you have to use wine or could you use other alcoholic beverages for that discussion? So other alcoholic beverages are what we call Khamer Medina, uh, precious food, precious liquids of the land. Um, and really it is just things that are in it. In London it's milk. It's considered Khamer Medina, I think. But um, beer, classically whiskey, those types of things. Um, We'll discuss that later on in the year. It's a very, very, very huge sugya. It's one that um, I remember my year in Israel when I was learning that sugya. I was very bothered because the way that it was presented to me was that making kiddush on Chama or making you know making kiddush on Shabbos day with a little shot of whiskey is 100% not halachically acceptable. <laughs> and how could I even do this? And if you ever are in a place where you do that, you have to make kiddush again on wine and blah blah. blah. And I was very frustrated because. Most of the world does that. <laughs> I'm like, never going to I'm going back to America. How am I going to do that? And then I had issues. <laughs> then I came back to America and learned more, and then I was fine. <laughs> um, but so that's. Uh, but we'll get to that. Um, so drink a lot of whiskey, and then you understand why people are walking around. It's true. A little bit like they are. My justified people behaviors. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. That's in the middle of which is a whole another another slew of issues there. Um, whenever a rabbi goes in to interview for a shul position, they always ask him about kiddush clubs. Any shul that has a kiddush club, yeah, because because the kiddush club members are very <laughs> they like to hold on to their kiddush club. <laughs> not that bad, guys. <laughs> um, okay. Um, the second nafkamina, the second test case in this discussion, is. Uh, do you need to eat anything after Kiddush, right? Let's say um, you're, uh, let's say I am not eating right now, right? Or, um, yeah, let's say I'm not eating right now. Um, do I need to, do I need to make sure that I'm eating now in order to have fulfilled my obligation of Kiddush? What if I'm participating, if I'm at a meal, but I'm not eating now? Right, so Kiddush is being said, but it's not my makom suda. Right, it's not, I'm not eating here. 
do I have to, would we say, no, that doesn't work, you have to eat. So if you're going to say that Kiddush establishes, in order for Kiddush to be halakhically acceptable, it has to be at a meal in order to establish this meal as a, a Kiddush, as a Shabbos meal, so then I might, I might not have to eat as long as people are eating, as long as people are drinking and eating, they have generate, they have fulfilled the Kiddush part of this meal, Kiddush Malcolm Suda. Versus with the second approach, if the meal is what generates the obligation to say Kiddush, then you would definitely um, have to partake in the meal. One other point on that, even within the first approach, you might say that I would have to eat for other reasons as well. Um, but, so it's not as cut and dry, it's not the best test case. That's why I like the first one, the Kiddush, the Kiddush one, because there's lots of people that write things about it. Anyhow, so whenever, the point that I wanted to bring out with this is whenever you see two sources that are given for something, it's important to understand the differences between them. This one was, I would say, much more technical, even though it, even though conceptually it was what is generating the obligation and the having Kiddush in the context of a meal. Is it the meal or is Kiddush some, you know, something more uh, global that it, it establishes this as a meal? And so conceptually they're, they're different. Um, but in terms of the practical halacha, it was probably it was much more technical. Often you'll see that the sources are significantly more suggestive and have many more global ramifications. So just a methodological point for the evening uh, that uh, many shears have been built on two sources that are given for uh, for a prohibition or for a mitzvah and what they suggest. Okay, continuing in the Gemara. So on the first line of Kuf Aleph Amad Aleph, in the middle of the line, Ella Larav, so but according to Rav, who if you recall says, if you make Kiddush and Shul, you fulfilled your obligation of Kiddush. But if you go home and you want to drink more wine, you need to make another bar pregethan on the wine. Lama Why would you want to make Kiddush again in your house? What's the point? If you already fulfilled your obligation in Shul, and he holds Yesh Kiddush, Shalobamakom Suda, right? You can make Kiddush that's not in the place of your meal. What's the purpose? What's the point? So the Gemara answers, <coughs> Why? Because you have to exempt everybody else from their obligation. Um, if you'll, you know, people who were here last year, and I'll just refresh everybody's memory, this is highlighting the concept of Yatza Motzi, that if I fulfilled my obligation already, I can then go about and fulfill your obligation, even if mine is, com- is already fulfilled. This is one of the times when we see that. If I already fulfilled my obligation of Kiddush, even not within the approach of Rav. Let's say I really, I really had a whole other meal. And then I come home and the people in my family need someone to make Kiddush for them. They don't want to drink the wine. They don't know how to make Kiddush themselves. I can make Kiddush again for them. Uh, and it's not considered a bracha levatal or anything like that. And this is one of those times when we see that uh, principle coming into play. Okay, Ushmuel. Lama And according to Shmuel, why would you want to make Kiddush in Shul? Lafuke orchim In order to exempt, uh, to fulfill the um, guests, the, fulfill the obligation of the guests. Da'achu v'shatu v'ganu who ate and drank and slept in the Shul. And this is where that phrase is first introduced in the Gemara, even though we've been using it uh, throughout our whole discussion. Shmuel uh, holds like his own his own um, reasoning and his own ruling. Okay. Um, according to Shmuel, why are you making Shmuel who we pass in life? Why are you making Kiddush and Shul? You're making Kiddush and Shul because of the guests. 
So what happened was is one of two things. Either people were eating in not physically in the shul because that's us, but they were eating maybe right here. They were eating, and so they would be able to see it. And so because I was having, you know, our whatever shul dinner right now, they would make Kiddush and shul for the people that were actually eating in shul. Alternatively, the, I, the way that the shuls uh, worked uh, back then, I guess, is that there were doors on the sides of the shul that were actually dorm rooms, basically, little rooms that people would stay in. So what they would do is they would open the doors, and it was actually their makom su'uda. Right? If the doors were open, they were actually eating and sleeping there. And so that was the place that they would, that they would make Kiddush. So therefore, what happened? They would make Kiddush and Shul to, to fulfill the obligation of the guests that were sleeping in Shul or eating in Shul, whatever the case is. Now, the question that comes up in this whole global discussion is, in a case where you don't have any orchim in Shul, so right, nowadays, for example, we don't have any guests that are sleeping in shul. People aren't eating right here. And if you're eating right here, you go up to the fifth floor, it's not going to help anyways. You're in a whole other place of the building, right? So should we be saying kiddush in shul nowadays? So this is um, a large discussion that comes up based on this whole based on this whole thing. The Gemara gives a reason. According to Shmuel, who says, in kiddush makam suda. If there's nobody who's makom suda, if this isn't anybody's makom suda, if nobody's going to be eating in shul, should you be making kiddush in shul? So practically speaking, Ashkenazim and outside of Eretz Yisrael, they actually make kiddush in shul. Uh, they give it to the little kids to drink, uh, to get around other issues. Sephardim, I don't think anywhere make kiddush in shul. And in Israel, even Ashkenazim, I, to the best of my knowledge, don't make kiddush in shul. But there are many people nowadays that do. So the question is why? So Tosvot uh, here, in the second toast on our page, Lishmua Lama Li the Kidushe Bebe Kinishta, Lerav Sarich Li Kidushe Bebe Kinishta, Lahotzi Kolotam Shemahem Bene Bai. So according to Rav, you make Kiddush and Shul. Right, so Tosa is asking a very interesting question. Why, even according to Rav, would you be making Kiddush and Shul? Right? If you're going to go home and eat, isn't it better? Even though Rav says you don't technically need to, why would you do it in Shul? He says, no, that's just how it worked. That's how it worked. Right? They would make Kiddush in Shul to fulfill the obligation of those people who didn't have anybody else at home. So that they wouldn't need to. But Tosvot later, I'm trying to remember which Dibor HaMachal I just saw this in. Oh, it's in this long Tosvot that I don't want to go through. Because you go through a bunch of discussions that I don't want to get into right now. But in that, in that Tosvot, uh, the Baalei Hatos would say that if nowadays, or in a time when you wouldn't have any orchim, you wouldn't have any guests in shul, you wouldn't be making Kiddush. And if you did, it would be a bracha levatela, right? You're, the reason, the only reason that we allow you to make Kiddush in shul is because there are people that need to halachically hear Kiddush, and this is how they're going to fulfill their obligation to hear Kiddush. But if I, if everybody here bent lulav, I can't just bench lulav again. That's not how it works. If everybody here you know, yatsa motzi, the notion that you can fulfill other people's obligation implies that there's someone else who has an obligation. But if there's nobody else who has an obligation, then you can't just make brachot. It's a classic case of brachot levatel, according to Tosin. However, there are um, many of the other Rishonim argue uh, from one of two perspectives that, no, you should still say Kiddush in Shul, even when there are no guests. The first one is the opinion of the Ran, who's writing on the riff in the back of your Gemaris, and we're not going to read it inside right now, but just to know it outside, and because I think it's a very interesting formulaic point. The Ran says that the reason you make Kiddush and Shul is because saying Kiddush and Shul was established as a takana. 
the Shakana had a reason attached to it, that when you make, when the rabbis instituted, that they, you make Kiddush and Shul, it was because of the guests. But just because the reason, the reason has been nullified, the ruling has not been nullified as well, which is a very, very interesting concept, right? Sometimes you have Gezerot uh, and Takanot that were established by the rabbis, and the reason, and they were given the, they in their inception were only established to cover specific situations. Right? So in those types of cases, we would say, okay, if the reason is no longer valid, then also then we shouldn't have to hold by this ruling. And sometimes we actually say that. Right? But la ta'ama, but la gazera. The reason has been it's been nullified, then also the ruling has been nullified as well. This is not one of those cases according to the Ron, because the reason was seemingly established independent of the actual gazera. I'm not sure of the legalities of how it is actually of how it actually works, but I can give you another example of it. Right? The reason that you're not allowed to take medicine on Shabbat, except if you're really sick and different kinds of sick, different kinds of medicine and so on and so forth. Why? Is because in, we're nervous that you're going to grind up um, the medicine because that's how they took their medicine, um, and which is uh, is a direct thing. You're not allowed to grind things on Shabbat. So therefore they said, you're not allowed to take medicine, not because medicine is objectively wrong, but maybe because you're going to take the medicine, it will lead you to grind things on Shabbat. Right? So the reason for this ruling of not being allowed to take refuah, for not being allowed to take medicine on Shabbat, is because maybe it will lead you to grinding on Shabbat. And so nowadays, uh, when we don't grind our medicine, you, take, you open your medicine cabinet, you pop some pills, and life is good. Right? So the, the reasoning doesn't apply anymore. However, the ruling probably still applies according to most people. There is one opinion that says, no, the reason, the way that the initial ruling was formulated, it was formulated so that the reason was built into the actual rule. So if the reason is no longer applicable, then the ruling is no longer applicable as well. I think it was the Kitsuda Hoshin, but I'm not sure, so don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, one of these are on the web. I'm like, I want to see what I sound like. I sound funny. <laughs> on recording. But um, anyhow, so this is, this is a, a huge topic. I bet you on Stein would have words of wisdom on these types of, of legal, legal formulations and how they work. Um, but nonetheless, this is an example, according to the Ran, of uh, that even though the reason for making Kiddush and Shul might not apply, namely there's no guests living in Shul anymore, it still was a takana, it was still established, it made Kiddush and Shul. That's the run. Rabbi Yonah is the, the third approach. Again, we had Tosfu who says, okay, you know, make it in Shul. We have Rabbi Yonah, Rabbi, the Ran, who holds on to this. It's a takana. Whenever you have a takana, you don't just do away with it. And Rabbi Yonah says um, that Kiddush B'makom Su'uda is only a derabana. That the principle of Shmuel, that ain't Kiddush El B'makom Su'uda, that's me derabana. That's a rabbinic uh, uh, add-on, I would say, to making Kiddush. What Midoraita from the Torah, you need to make Kiddush at the beginning of Shabbat. It establishes the beginning of Shabbat, and that's what it is. Right? Shmuel says, okay, we also want to attach it to the meal, either for the, the Karat al Shabbat Oneg or for the other, either approach, it doesn't make a difference for this discussion. But that's only Midorabanan. So in Shul, you're still fulfilling your Doraita obligation of saying Kiddush in Shul, even though it's not the Makom Suda. 
right? We're not worried that if you say it in shul, it's going to be a bracha batella. We're not worried you're going to do something. You're going to say God's name in vain or whatnot. Because on, on the Torah level, it's fine. You can say Kiddush in the middle of Times Square if you want, even if you're not eating your meal there. Shmuel adds on that we have this rabbinic uh, requirement or an addendum that says, no, you need to make it at the place of your meal. So that's Rabbeinu Yonah's approach. Um, one more thought. Um, it, Rav Soloveitchik says, uh, you know, famously we talk about the difference between the Kiddushah Shabbat and the Kiddushah Yom Tov. The holiness of Shabbat is seemingly objective, right? It's God-made. Right? God says on every seventh day is Shabbat, and it's holy, and so on and so forth. Whereas, um, it's okay. Um, please. <laughs> um, Whereas uh, on Yom Tov and all the Yom Yom Tovim, it, it, the Kedusha is man-made, right? What happens is you go and you see that there's a new moon. People generally, you go to the basin, the basin says, oh, it's now the, it's now Rosh Chodesh, and in 15 days it's going to be Pesach, in 15 days it's going to be Sukkot, next Wednesday, whatever it is, right? And so the holiness of Yom Tov is really, comes from the perspective of the people. We generate the holiness and the Kedusha of Yom Tov, whereas the holiness of Shabbat is intrinsic. Uh, However, it's not as cut, you know, black and white and cut dry as that. Uh, Ralph Soloveitchik says that on Shabbat, there's this secondary level of Kedusha that people, confer, that people confer as well. It's not just that every seventh day, on the seventh day of Shabbat, and therefore it's holy, which is true. It has this objective holiness, but there, it also requires some personal involvement to infuse within Shabbat the secondary level of Kedusha. So therefore, that's what Rav Soloveitchik develops is the idea of you say, you say, um, you say Kiddush at the Knisala Shabbat, right? You're saying at the beginning of Shabbat, I'm doing something active to generate some element of Kiddusha. It might not be the same type of Kiddusha as Yom Tov, and it might not be the same type of Kiddusha that God infuses into Shabbat. But there is something active that we are doing by saying Kiddush. And so I think that you could take this one step further. So why would you say Kiddush and Shul? Why would one be compelled to? We were going to justify that minhag and that approach. So um, perhaps you can suggest, and I don't think Rod Soloveitchik talks about this explicitly, but I think you, we can infer from there that since the community is what establishes this type of Kiddusha, right? Normally on Yom Tov, the community establishes that today's Rosh Chodesh and then Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, whatever, is going to follow thereafter. So to here, the tzibor, the community, the congregation, establishes this secondary level of Kedusha as well. And so we want a specific, so even if you don't have any guests, we would specifically want to hold on to saying Kedusha, saying Kiddush and Shul, because it, it is what establishes the Shul, the community, this group of people is really what establishes this secondary level of Kedusha within Shabbat as well. So it's not just that Shabbat has this um, objective form of Kedusha. I don't know if objective is the best word, but I don't have any better words right now. Um, we, people, are able to infuse Shabbat with another level of Kedusha, and the way that we do that is by demonstrating it. And the first way, the first opportunity we have is to say Kiddush. And, um, and, and perhaps uh, the most ideal way to say Kiddush is in the tzibor, in the communal setting, um, although Therefore, that, that's why we specifically do an ritual. Like, if you're davening at home on Friday night, you don't make kiddush until it's meal time. You wouldn't do that. Okay. Um, thoughts for the evening. Okay. Let's um, continue in, in the Gemara.
So now we are up to about, I would say, a quarter of the way down. The second word on the line is Savormina. Does everyone see where we are? Okay, Savormina. So it implies from here that if you were to um, change houses, you would need to make another bracha. But from place to place, within one home, you would not need to. Let's look at the Rashbam, Hanimili. It's the hay with the little things in the mem. Hanimili. De'in kiddush el makom suda el mibay that we say that you would need to make Kiddush again in the case where you're switching houses. Aval, mi makom mi la'aliyah, But from one place in the house to another place in the house, or from one floor to the higher floor, you would not need to make another Kiddush. Um, okay. So that's the statement that's made. So when we say, when Shmuel says, Ein Kiddush El Makom Suda, so what if you change the location of your Suda? So he says, if it's in your same house, then you're good. If you're moving to a whole other location, to a whole other place, uh, then we would need to make another Kiddush. I don't want to talk about right now all of the implication regarding brachot and changing locations. We're going to talk about that next week. It comes up on the next page. Um, so I'm going to kind of gloss over that element, and then we're going to see where the Gemara goes from there. Okay. Amar lehu Rav Anan bar Tachlifa. So Rav Tachlifa bar Anan said to them, Zimnen sagin have ka'amina kamei Many times I was before Shmuel. I was eating with Shmuel. V'nachid me'igra la'ara. And he would go from the roof back downstairs to the ara, literally means the ground, but he didn't go to sitting on the ground, he went to the ground level. Vahadar Makadesh. And he made Kiddush again. So the Gemara is challenging this assertion, right? Shmuel says, Ain Kiddush al Makom Suda. You make Kiddush in the place of your meal. So he says, What defines this as your Makom Suda? What if you change your Makom Suda? So the Gemara says, Oh, okay, let's talk about what constitutes a change. If the change is inside of your house or up one floor, down one floor, roof, whatever, that's fine, right? But once you switch actual houses, you would need to you would need to um, make another kiddush. And so Rav Anan Bar Tachlifa says, "Are you joking? That's not what Shmuel says." Because I was eating with him, and we actually went. We did we did this exact situation. We were in the same house. We didn't go to our neighbor's house. We went from upstairs to downstairs, and Shmuel made another kiddush. So don't tell me that that in kiddush al makom suda means. As long as you're in the same house, it's defined as your makom suuda. That's that just can't be. Vaaf Rav Huna Savar in Kiddush Alba Makom Suda, and Rav Huna who also holds like Shmuel in Kiddush Alba Makom Suda, to Rav Huna Kaddish viit Akra le Shraga. Rav Huna said Kiddush, and his light went out. Um, remember, flashback to before electricity, right? So you have to eat. You're supposed to eat. Um, Kiddush, and you're supposed to eat your meal, excuse me, in, in a place where you have a candle. So if your candle goes out and you can't see your food, you physically can't eat, right? So therefore, so what happens? And so what does he do? He goes upstairs to his son, Rabba's house, who had a light, and he makes Kiddush again, and he eats something right away. Right? Meaning he holds you have to say, make Kiddush from Suda. He made Kiddush downstairs. His light goes out. So he's like, oh no, I have to go somewhere else. So he goes upstairs. He doesn't switch houses. Again, he doesn't switch houses. And yet he repeats 
Kiddish, and he makes sure to eat something there. Alma Kasavar Ain Kiddish Albamakum Suda. Why did he do that? Since he holds Ain Kiddish Albamakum Suda. That's why he was compelled when he went upstairs to his sense. It's like, you know, in Brooklyn? Anyone here from Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. You know, in Brooklyn, when, you know, the kids live on, like, the third floor of their parents' house? It's like that. That's what happened here. This is, the Syrians really are holding, like, this Gemara. That you go upstairs, and that's where their son was living, uh, having, and the Rashbam even says it was, it was, the, the, it was, his, he had just gotten married, his son had just gotten married, so he was, the reason they had lights going on there to begin with is because it was a bait instead, they were having a whole big party going on there. So he goes upstairs in order to make, and makes Kiddush again, and, and because now it's establishing a new Makom Suruta. Um, the Af Raba Savar in Kiddush Alba Makum Suda. And Raba also holds that you need to make Kiddush in the place of your meal. The Amar Abaye, as Abaye said, in the, seemingly in the name of Raba, Ki Havinan De Mar, when we, I was in the house of Mar, Ki Hava Makadesh, Amar Lan Tetnumumizi. He made, we were sitting around Mar, we were sitting about, around Raba's table, and he said, and he made Kiddush, and he says, oh, you should eat something. Dilma it as litu leushpiza, mit akra ubik mit akra lechu shraga, the lomakadish lechu bebe bebe achila. So he says maybe what's going to happen is you're going to go back to your hotel. You're going to get up and you're going to go home to your hotel, and your light will be out, and you won't you wouldn't have made kiddush in the place where you ate. Right? Again, what's happening? They're all sitting around Rabba's table. Rabba says, oh, I'm making kiddush, you should eat something right now, because maybe you're going to go back home to your real makom su'uda, and you're not going to be able to eat because the light will be out. What are you going to do? Ain't, we hold ain't kiddush ala makom su'uda. How are you going to do this? Ubikidusha dahacha lo nafkitu de'in kiddush ala makom su'uda. Sorry, hold on one second. Okay, sorry, I just wanted to make sure that I was saying everything I wanted to say. Um, and to be kiddusha dahacha with this kiddush, lo nafkitu to in kiddush al makom You wouldn't have fulfilled your obligation with this kiddush that you're making around my t- my table if you don't eat, right? So ini the gemara says, is this indeed the opinion of? Is this indeed Rabba's opinion? Vahamar Abaye doesn't Abaye also say, Kol mili demar, have all the words of Mar, meaning Rabba, have avid kirav, levar mehanitzlat, the avid kishma. In general, Rabba always holds like Rav and not like Shmuel, except for three things. What are the three exceptions? Matirin mi beged lebeged, you can rip off from one piece of clothing to another, and with uh, Rashbam right there, matirin mibegel lebegel, matirin tzitzit talit o zo notina tamu talit acheret. Let's say you have one four-cornered garment that has tzitzit attached, you don't have an extra, you don't have extra, you know, strings lying around, and you have another thing you want to wear, so you can rip um, the tzitzit off one, bag it off one piece of clothing and tie them onto another one. So in that case, he holds like Shmuel. Umadlikin miner liner, and you could light from light to light. Rashbam again. Madlikin miner chanika liner acheret shel chanika. Ve'in tarich lahadlik liner acheret she'ena shel chanika. You don't have to use a shamish when lighting from one candle to the next, right? You can 
you can, we don't hold like that evidently because we use a shamash, probably, not everybody, um, uh, to light the candles, Svartam Jod, I think. Um, but you can light from one candle to the next, even without a non-Hanukkah candle in the middle. And the third case is the halacha Rabbi Shimon Bigreira. And the halacha is with Rabbi Shimon regarding Greira, regarding pulling things on Shabbat, Ditanya, as we learned in Abraita. Rabbi Shimon Shabbat. You can drag, uh, a person can drag a bed, a chair, or a bench on Shabbat. As long as you don't have intent to make a hole. Why? Because we hold that it's a varsha'ino meets kaven. So if you do something on Shabbat without the intent, without kavanah to do it, it's okay. You're allowed to do it, right? If I, probably, at least within this opinion, right? So if I'm dragging something, I just need to get my bench from over there to over there, and I'm dragging it across the ground, and it by accident makes a ditch, right? So if it's a varsha'ino meets kaven, you're allowed to do that, according to this position. Uh, and so therefore, in those three cases, Rabbah holds like Shmuel and not like Rav. Okay? So now we have a problem here. Because here in our Gemara, Rabbah is holding like Shmuel. Right? Rabbah saying, Ain Kiddush al suda. Except we have a list of all the times where Rabbah holds like Shmuel. And this one is not on the list. So how, Abaye, can you tell me that Rabbah is holding like Shmuel when he really, according to how he usually poskins, should be holding like Rav? That's the Gemara's question. Any? Is that really the case? Okay. And so the Gemara answers, Kechumrei derav, have avid. Kekulei derav, lo have avid. Then in general, when we say Rabba paskins like Rav, it's when the machlok, the argument between Rav and Shmuel, Rav is the more machmer position. Right? Rav is the more stringent position. But if Rav is the more lenient position, then even uh, Rabba, who normally would hold like Rav, would hold like Shmuel in that case. This is one of those examples. Rav here is the more lenient position. You can make Kiddush wherever you want. Whereas Shmuel holds, no. Uh, you make Kiddush, uh, you can make, you also make Kiddush in a very specific place. Okay. I'm going to just finish the last, uh, the third opinion very quickly. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, uh, we're on three lines from the bottom. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, af yedeyayin nam yatu. So Rabbi Yochanan is the third opinion. I don't hold like, I don't hold like Shmuel, I don't hold like Rav. Even wine, uh, you don't, if you made, if you drank some wine in shul, you took a little sip of the kiddush in shul, and now you go back home, you don't have to make kiddush again. The Azda Rabbi Yochanan Lita'ame, and Rabbi Yochanan holds like his own reasoning, Amar Rabbi Chanin Bar Abaye, Amar Rabbi Padat Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Chanin Bar Abaye says, in the name of Rabbi Padat, who says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Echad Shino Yayin, one who changes wine, the Echad Shino Makom, and one who changes their place, you don't need to make another brach made today. We have a counter text. No. We don't hold like Rabbi Yochanan. Why? Because if you change your place, you need to make another bracha. But if you change your wine, you don't need to make another bracha. Okay, we've rejected the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan. But let's just, let me just explain what Rabbi Yochanan's opinion is for just a minute. Rabbi Yochanan's opinion is as follows. If you, uh, if you tasted some wine in shul, and now you switch your place, you're shinya makam, you walk down the block to your home, you don't need to make wine again. Why? You don't need to make bar again again. Why? Because he holds you didn't have a hesachada, you didn't have a lapse in concentration between the first taste of wine to the second taste of wine, even though you switched locations. 
however, and that's according to his own ruling, where he says, Shinoimakum, if you switch your cases, you switch your places, you don't need to make a new bracha in general, because you won't like that. But if you change your lines, meaning if you bring out a better line or you bring in a different line, um, you need you uh, you need to make another you need to make another you do not need to make another bracha, but you do need to make a hatovahamitiv, right? If you change wine in the context of one meal, but you haven't changed locations, right? We're talking if about it's a better wine, though. That's a machloket here. The Rosh Bomb seems to say even if it's a worse wine, Tosa says no, only if it's a better wine. Well, that's a hatovahamitiv discussion when you say that we possibly it has to be better wine. Um, so if you change your wines in the context of a meal, you need to make you don't need to make another bar pre and you do need to make another hatovahamitiv. But if you switch your locations, uh, according to Rabbi Yochanan, you wouldn't ever have to make a bar pre However, the Gemara says no, 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 we don't hold like that. If you switch your locations, you need to make another bracha rishona, regardless of what bracha, with regardless gefen, whatever it is. Shinoyayin, uh, but if you bring out a new bottle of wine, you don't need to make another bracha. You would need to make a hatovah That's what the Gemara's conclusion is. So just to summarize what we did today, what we did today is we presented really three different opinions to this discussion of in Kiddush Alba Makom Suda. Rav, who says uh, you would need to make, if you made Kiddush and Shul and then you came home, you would need to make another bracha on the wine, but you would not need to make another Kiddush. Shmuel says no, you would even need to make another Kiddush because in Kiddush Alba Makom Suda, we suggested two different approaches for the reasoning behind that, and we even gave an Afghamina for it. And then we uh, went through uh, an understanding and a ruling of uh, why each person would say the opposite. According to Rob, why would you need to stay at home in order to fulfill the other people in your house? And according to Shmuel, why would you be staying in Shul? You'd be staying in Shul to uh, exempt the people that were eating in Shul. Um, and from there, we had an offshoot. Uh, what is the purpose? Uh, nowadays, when we don't have people eating in Shul, why would we make Kiddush? And we presented three approaches to that. Tosu says you wouldn't. Uh, Rabbi knew with Iran, who says that it, that's just how it was formulated. And the Rabbeinu Yonah, who says, no, this is a, really a Durabanan discussion, but Mita you can make Kiddush anywhere. Um, and we had a brief discussion by Rav Soloveitchik about Rav Soloveitchik's opinion about Kiddush Shabbat. And then we presented Rabbi Yochanan's opinion um, and introduced uh, in a very, very, very cursory way the notion of Shinoi Makum, that when you change your place and you change your location, you would, all, you would need to make a new bracha, and that's going to be the topic that we'll explore next week, because uh, that's what the Gemara explores next week. Uh, more thoroughly. Okay? Any questions? Okay.